Welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. Yes. Uh, we have just seen uh, Luca Guadagnino's uh, Call Me By Your Name. Guadagnino. Uh, I've seen it for the second time. Mike's seen it for the first. Uh, the story is about a young boy who, whose parents are academics. They have this wonderful big house in the countryside surrounded by orchards and so on. Uh, Oliver, played by Army Hammer, uh, comes to visit as a graduate student for six weeks. And Elio, the, played by Timothée Chamelet, falls madly in love with him and kind of out of control, really. Then as the summer ends, the affair ends, and at the end of it, Oliver uh, calls to announce his engagement to a woman. That's the story. Mm. Set in the 1980s. Set in 1983, very importantly. Uh, because, you know, 1983, a friend was saying on Facebook that 1983 is the last year where you can, you know, legitimately ignore the AIDS crisis. Yeah, mm. that's kind of, you know, after that, everyone knew. <laughs> right. And set in Italy, I don't know if you said that. That's right. It's set in the north of Italy. Uh, so I'm very curious uh, to know what you thought, because my impression is when the film came out, almost everyone uh, I talked to just absolutely loved it. And now there seems to be a real backlash against it. Uh, so I'm curious to know your thoughts. Um, what's the backlash? Uh, why don't you tell me what you think first, and then I'll tell you the backlash. Because <laughs> uh, well, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, it's not my cup of tea. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. But I, I think films like this just aren't my cup of tea. I don't think it's the film's fault. Um, what about this? Isn't your cup of tea? I these films about young love. Uh, you know, people discovering themselves in their youth. Honestly, for a lot of the film, the the, emo- the main emotion. Uh, I felt was fury. <laughs> well, explain it to me because you know that is because I wasn't having this good a time when I was seventeen years old. Uh-huh. I wasn't having sex with women. I wasn't having sex with men. I wasn't even having sex with fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I was, nothing goes wrong for these guys, mm. you know. Maybe they that's... have nothing to complain about. Uh huh. I want things to go. Like, I mean, and you've got uh, Michael Stuhlberg who plays the father, wow. is unbelievably progressive and forward-thinking. I wish He's, my father had been like that. I know, right? I find it so moving. Um, <laughs> I th- actually, I think, I think his, his, his sort of monologue uh, to, to Timothy Chalamet's character at the end is beautiful. I think but, it's um, beautiful. I, 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 I couldn't... I, I, this is me, right? This is just me. I couldn't buy a lot of it. Like, um, this just wasn't my experience as, as a kid. That doesn't mean that it's not realistic or anything. It's just, but it made me angry that to see other people having such a good time. Ah, that, that maybe is part of the reason for the backlash. <laughs> I mean, I, I can certainly understand, like, people would want to see, like... Uh, th- this film is basically... This, th- th- this kind of unbridled uh, sort of love and, and happiness between these two characters, it grows. You know, mm. it's not there right at the start, but it grows and it grows. And ultimately, nothing really goes wrong for him. The only thing that goes wrong is he has to leave, and then ultimately that means they don't see each other again, and their lives move on. Mm. And and um, and and Oliver gets engaged. But um, I can see why people would go, well, surely there should be some repercussions to this, or something going wrong, or or or, or you know, um, 
their life should have some happiness. People should take against them or whatever it is. But nothing like that happens. And actually, it's quite beautiful. But mm. just my personal response was um, that I couldn't take it. You know, I need people to have a bad time. Right. Well, you know... Uh, uh... And I'm not even making that up. Like, I, I really properly was feeling angry when they were having a good time. Ah. Well, you see, I loved it all. I'm not saying that for effect. I know. Well, I know. Kind <laughs> of. You know, you kept saying things like, he's too old to snuggle up to his parents. Like... <laughs> Well, that's true. I was being being kind of snarky, but, like, that's absolutely true, right? So, this kid's 17 years old. He's lying there with his head on his dad's lap and his mum's reading him romantic novels. Mm. This this is not... This is ridiculous. Yes. Who has this relationship with their parents? Well, who cares? I care. uh, I kind of... I loved it. And I, I mean, to be honest, I think seeing it a second time made me think it's not really a good film. You know, it made me see some faults, you know, that I hadn't uh, seen before. I hate all the way that the camera constantly turns to nature all the time. And sometimes you understand very clearly why, and sometimes it just seems nonsensical, like, you know, a lack of imagination. It's really. building a mood. Yeah. So it's not really doing any much more than that. Uh, there are certain scenes that I that actually I, I disliked. So um, the scene where, you know, they've had sex and... You know, they go walking into town and they meet up with these strangers and they he dances once again, you know, to the psychedelic first song. I thought that was just kind of really badly staged, right? Um, I found more fault in Army Hammer's performance now. I think, you know, he's obviously meant to be this Aryan, you know, American, you know, god or something, like at the beginning. So, and I understand that, that he has to be, like, more handsome and that somebody that somebody uh, that everybody finds attractive. Well, there's that scene particularly where, because um, he's, he's like an archaeologist or something like that, and um, and uh, he and Michael Stuhlbach's character are sh- looking at slides of these uh, statues mm. of uh, Adonis figures, mm. and, and the words that uh, Michael Stuhlbach is using to describe them are totally applicable to Army Hammer, like they're That's describing right. him. That's right. Except... You know, there there's a shift in the film where he should have been as emotionally transparent as the Timothée Chalamet character. The moment where you know they both realize that they're attracted to each other and that they're in love with each other, you know, all of a sudden he should have stopped being like the statue and actually become a feeling person. Mm. And I don't think I don't think Arnie Hammer is a transparent actor. I think he's very reticent. He's always holding something back. He's quite mannered in a way. Yes. Uh, so, so I thought that was a problem that I initially hadn't, um, you know, I hadn't noticed really, but still I love it. I think part of the problems that people have are a, the class of people that it deals with. So on the one hand, you know, these people are too rich and they're too cultured and they're too understanding and they speak too many languages. I love that. Right. And I think kind of, you know, we live in a time where the only thing that's, that seems to be important is money. And actually, kind of, you know, the defense of these, of these values of culture, you know, seems to me like more important than ever. And I love that the film is serious about art and culture. Mm. So, you know, that's not a problem to me at all. Um, the fact that, uh, you know, these people are wealthy is actually not a problem to me at all uh, either. You know, kind of, uh, it seems to me interesting who, when we find people in movies being rich a problem. You know, and when we don't, and why it's singled out at this moment. I mean, 
you know, kind of, you know, so many American movies are always aspirational. They're always about people who live in better flats and wear better clothes and have more money than we do. That's never seen as a problem except, you know, kind of seemingly raised now. Yeah, so, when it's when it's people who are kind of intellectually elite as well as wealthy and just kind of relaxing and enjoying their lives and taking things at a slow pace and just not living like you do. Yeah, so actually, like, well, this is wrong. Yeah, so, you know, and actually you don't get the sense that these people are super wealthy anyway, right? Kind of, it's said that she inherited this house from, from, from her parents and he's a university lecturer. So, obviously, you know, people with money, but not like... You know, not Wall Street. <laughs> but yeah. nonetheless, she's inherited a, a, a big house in the north of Italy. That's right. You know. Uh, They're comfortable, for sure. For sure. Uh, but again, you know, I don't mind that. Hmm. Um, the other thing that people had problems with, were, which I find interesting, was the, the, the way that the sexuality in the film is depicted. Right? So people found it... Uh, um, so on the one hand, I think kind of queer activists want this idea of a mobile and labile sexuality where, you know, we're all on some kind of spectrum, right? And then actually, as soon as a film represents a spectrum, people take issue with it. Because, you know, it seems to me that the Timothy Chalamet character is or doesn't know himself until he discovers Oliver, right? I think his, na- his name is pronounced Timothy. Timothy. Despite the way it's spelled, I've heard him say it. He's just an American guy. Okay. Timothy Chalamet. Sorry, uh, carry on. Yeah, I think his parents are French and whatever. Yeah, but it is pronounced Timothy. Okay. Uh, well, then he shouldn't fucking spell it Timothy. Well, he, I don't think he chose that. <laughs> I don't think he chose that. Uh, so, um... But yeah, so you're talking about the, the, the uh, sexual spectrum. Yes, I, I like that Elio is involved, unproblematic with women, that he's shown enjoying it, that he's shown getting immediately hard you know, and so on, that physically is not a problem for him, that actually the attraction to Elliot, uh, to, to Oliver is, you know, this kind of absolute falling in love, loss of control, he doesn't understand, he's bewildered, you know, I love all of that, really, because it's not seen as just being a physical thing, right? Uh, uh, and then I also, I, also, I also like that Oliver gets married at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I kind of, it's... It's a kind of a complex depiction of, of sexuality. It's not just these men are gay and they behave like this. Kind yeah, of, yeah. No, know. I like that too. I like I like the. Um, I mean, I suppose it. And I suppose it occurred to me, but I hadn't really uh, taken a huge amount of notice of it. But you're absolutely right. Like, um, it's it's not it's not a case of whether you're straight or you're gay, you know, or you're bi. It's like it, it's it, the the kid is young and he's kind of discovering who he is. Yes. And you don't have to. Sometimes you can just like who you like. Yes. And that's sort of what the film is saying. Like, it's not really about whether you're gay or straight. The, uh, uh, the, what the father says at the end uh, has, has an undercurrent of, I accept you for who you are, no matter who you are. Yeah. And, that's, and that is essentially the, I don't mind you being gay speech. Yes. But nonetheless, it's, not, it's still not framed as that. It's still kind of, it, it's really more general. And, and it accepts a kind of more fluid understanding of who people are sexually. And a more understanding, uh, a more fluid understanding of, of love as well, yeah, because I think it's very inclusive. You know, I think kind of every friendship or every time one falls in love or every time one is loved, it's a kind of a gift. You can't take it for granted. And so I think that's kind of, you know, what the father's speech is, is getting at. And I loved it. I agree with it. Uh, so the other thing that people take issue with that goes alongside the culture is the way that people move from one language to another, right? 
mm. which actually I find a realistic. Yeah, the kind of you know outside of Britain, kind of you know cultured Europeans speak in many languages, mm -hmm. and you know I am someone who grew up for different reasons. Kind of you know uh, moving from like in between three languages and at home and like four and five if you count home in the street. So I love the way that language is used, the way that people shift from language to language, the way that language is often used as power. So you know that there are some you know some moments where you choose a language to speak in mm. that means something, right? Particularly, uh, I think you know when uh, Elio kind of breaks up with the girl. That's right. He's speaking in English there. That's right. He's speaking in French the whole time, and that's quite deliberate. Exactly. There's a, there's, a, there's a distance that creates between them. Yes. So so I love that. Uh, the other thing that people have taken issue with is that the film is set in 1983, and there's no mention of AIDS. Uh, and I was looking very closely at the film, and it's true that there is no mention. And I think, you know, I, I, I could excuse why there is no mention. You know, it is a small town in northern Italy and, you know, uh, I mean, it was just beginning to hit the news in a big way, really. But, you know, I understand. That. But the other thing that I did notice, however, is that, you know, in his bedroom, he's got, um, oh, my God, what's his name? Uh, the photographer, uh, uh, Mapplethorpe. He's got a Mapplethorpe poster of, you know, I think the exhibit that was at MoMA that year, which I went to. Uh and, you know, those those Mapplethorpe images, like, um, you know, kind of they're full of, uh, you know, whips up people's asses and things like that. Uh, and, of course, famously, kind of, you know, by the end of that decade, Mapplethorpe himself would die of AIDS. So I think there's a kind of a foreshadowing. I mean, certainly I saw the film, but maybe, you know, I'm maybe I'm just the one who's bringing it to the film. Though, you know, kind of, I think for me, the map of, the Mapplethorpe poster was a, 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 a spark. Uh, you know, you feel, oh, he, you know, here's this, here's this wonderful adolescent and, you know, he's, he's, he's falling in love the way only adolescents can, like so freely and, you know, kind of so uh, uh, emotionally and out of control and so on. You know, and you think, you know, what'll happen, what'll happen to him in the next 10 years, you know, mm. when kind of, you know, the disease really... Uh, the the pandemic affected everyone I know like we all had so many friends die and it was like you know and you, and you kind of think you know here's this this young kid you know who's just like full of of life and and joy and pain and so on and then kind of what's going to become of him was you know something that I I well that was on my mind really uh so um yeah those are basically kind of mm the issues that people have taken with the film. I mean, I kind of like thinking about it. I kind of like that, that, that um, there is no mention of AIDS mm. um, because I think it, 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 if the film mentions AIDS, then I think it kind of becomes all about that. Yes. Um, and the fact that it's not and it allows the film to essentially kind of, in its entirety, be about different things, be about... I mean, if it were about AIDS, then you imagine it would be about kind of love despite yes. AIDS and that kind of thing. But it's not, right? It's about just just being who you are, mm. um, without this kind of this mortal spectre looming over it. Yes. It allows it to be kind of freer. Um, the thing that I disliked more, or that not that I disliked, but I thought was not as well realized as when I first saw it, uh, and was actually so a lot of the film strives 
for a kind of sensuality, right? Like the swimming on the ponds and... Every know. time they go near a body of water, they take their clothes off. And yeah. Go, it's, it's annoying. <laughs> well, I didn't think that was as well realized as I had first kind of thought, actually. It's reckless uh, as well. Uh, Dangerous. Um, why so? It's dangerous, isn't it? You don't know what's in there. Oh. <laughs> they, walk, they walk everywhere barefoot. They ride bikes with no hands. They go swimming every time they see a puddle. Um, I was not into that. Well, But again, this is this is about how I spent my teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> in some bus stop, <laughs> drinking cider. <laughs> uh, yeah. So... Um, you know, so so is it like a great work of art? No, uh, uh, I don't think it is actually. I still think it's like a singular work. I can't remember, you know, an ad- a gay adolescent coming of age in which kind of you know uh, uh, a character comes into his sexuality in this way. He's really overpowered by feeling, really, and I thought that was wonderful. And and Timothy Chalamet is wonderful at depicting that. He's really like he is great. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, he's kind of he's completely what's the word? He lets himself go, right? So yeah. even his embraces and the way he tilts his head and you know he's overcome by this passion and you see it, right? Whereas kind of Army Hammer is a bit of a statue through throughout, really. More than he's intended to be. <laughs> yeah, more than he's intended to be. Uh, so. So, how would you rate it alongside uh, Moonlight or um, Carol? I think it's an inferior film to both. I think Carol is a masterpiece, really. Uh, I have I have problems with uh, Moonlight, though. I think it's also like I mean I think what it does formally and so on is so much greater than this film, and yet kind of you know um, I, I mean I suppose it's kind of what we all bring to it. I think I was more moved by this film, you know, than either of the the two others. You okay. Know? So um, I never finished watching Carol. Ah. Oh. I was I, again. This is it was not not my cup of tea, and I found it very boring. And I know that that's heresy. It's the film of the year. I couldn't. I I wasn't getting it. And um, Moonlight, uh, I really enjoyed up until the last third of it. Yes. Not for the same reasons that you did. You had much better reasons for not liking the last mm. third than I did. I just found the last third quite dull, really. Yes. Um, but the, the the first and second sections of the film, I think, are brilliant. Yes. Um, People are comparing this film to God's Own Country, uh, which is marvelous. You know, and it's uh, it's a film set in the north of England about, you know, I think in Yorkshire uh, about uh, you know a small holding farmer. Uh, and, uh, you know, trying to keep the farm going, and the son is gay, and, you know, he kind of hates himself, really, and, you know, he, he's got, uh, he, you know, he, he picks up men and has this kind of angry, brutal sex, and so on. And then a Romanian farmhand comes to work over the summer or the season or whatever, uh, and they fall in love, and it's really, it's really earthy and sensual and quite wonderful, actually. Uh, but I think it's a mistake to compare both films, but both films have come out at the same time. And I think one of the interesting <laughs> things about this moment that we're living in is that there's a lot of like great or interesting, let's say interesting instead of great, but like kind of, you know, fully realized f- films of various kinds, right? So 120 beats per minute, which I st- still to see, you know, and Beach Rats, which I've seen and God's Own Country and 
you know, there's a kind of, and I think it's kind of something to celebrate rather than to posit one film against the other. Mm. You know, I think kind of, you know, part of the good thing about living in the present moment is that there are all of these different representations that actually kind of, you know, uh, engage with the world in different ways and from different perspectives. You know, and I find this tendency to kind of only like that which reflects you in some way rather troublesome. Mm. Sorry I asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked me, you asked me how, the, how Jumanji stood up next to the old Jumanji, so I felt like I had, I had the right to... <laughs> Show, show I'm glad you. I'm glad you asked, but you're the one who's regretting it. <laughs> you give me a whole thing about uh, how it's wrong to even ask the question. But uh, I suppose you're right. I mean, you know, it's, it's like how um, uh, cartoons on TV always get uh, sort of put against each other in a way that no other TV show really does. So, like The Simpsons and South Park and Family Guy and Futurama and all these shows, they all get they all mm. get compared to each other and uh, in a in a slightly uh, disproportionate mm. way. Um, and I suppose it's like that with, with kind of certain types of cinema. So when I'm saying, oh, how does this stack up against other gay films, basically? Mm. That's, that, that's a, I can see the problem with asking that. Nonetheless, I didn't think it was a terrible question. I think it's a, Well, I didn't think it was a terrible but, question. I, I'm glad you asked it. But, um, but let me ask you something, because the other famous scene in the film is obviously the peach scene. Yeah, I didn't know that it was famous. I mean, I didn't know it was coming. Right, so well, I didn't tell you. <laughs> but, so, but, you know, kind of... Uh, well, it reminded me of American Pie, frankly. Yes. <laughs> I thought, this is, you know, this, this, should, this should be played for laughs. Uh-huh. Which, is, I, suppose it, I suppose it's funny. But, um, I mean, I thought, first thing I thought was he's ruining this peach. <laughs> and, and that was even before he put it in his pants. You know, he was always <laughs> opening it all over the bed. Yes. Destroyed the thing. And I said it was like the egg earlier. They he, they open up this egg. In fact, I think it's Oliver's character rather than Elio. Oliver opens up this boiled egg and like gets shell everywhere. You know, oh. these people don't know how to eat. Uh-huh. Right? But um, I don't know. Like, I guess it's I guess it's something that you might do when you're seventeen. Well, I think it's I think it's striving for a kind of sensuality, right? You know, the ripe peach, the juice dripping all over his chest. You know, him overcome by a desire for Oliver and a frustration that he's not there. You know, I I don't think it's very successfully realized either. You know, I wasn't keen. I think I mean to be fair, I think the point where Oliver comes in and eats it is where the film lost me. Oh well, again, I th- I think that could have been filmed better, really. But I kind of I like the concept more than the execution, uh, you know. And it certainly ties in the th- with the theme: "Call me by your name, I am you, you are me." You know. What's he got to do with the peach? Well, he's eating the cum off the peach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You say so. Like, uh, okay. I want. Um, yeah, I was. I, I, it, it just, I spent a long time, it reminded me of holidays that I went on, kind of package holidays to, to, to European countries, uh, mainly um, the Balearic Islands is where we went to mm. um, a few times. And I, just, you know, I, I was reminded of these holidays that I took where, where, if I'm honest, thinking back on them, I had a fucking shit time because I was sort of growing up, I was like 14 when we went to Ibiza and I ended up hanging out with these kids who were probably all around my age and a little bit older and... and and, and thinking back on it, I was, I, it should have been great. Mm. But at the time, I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. And I left. And it's like, a, f- a fucking moron. And because what a great time I could have had, what was I thinking? And and what 
the father says at the end about you only get one heart, you only get one body, and you better use them. I was like, well, I fucking wasted it, haven't I? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask you something. Thanks very much. It just reminded me of what a terrible, terrible teenager I was. Um, What is Hanukkah meant to celebrate? Hanukkah's the festival of lights in in Judaism, um, which is, there was some temple, Solomon or Saul or someone, uh, and it was ransacked because the Jews were always getting attacked throughout history yes. and just about surviving. And this temple got knocked down and um, there was a... F- I mean, I'm struggling here, but it's, it was along the lines of there was a, a menorah or flame that was meant to be a light all the time. Um, and they... <laughs> this, is, this is the thing, right? So they, they destroyed this place and the flame went out and then they found that there was enough oil... That, that there was only enough oil... For the the flame to last for three days, yeah. but they but amazingly a miracle of God happened and the flame actually lasted for eight days. Right. So that's it. The, the, we have an entire festival that is based on good value. That's juice. <laughs> no, come on. That's what, what it is. I, when people celebrate Hanukkah, what are they actually celebrating? Because I think it's significant that the last scene is set, you know, during Hanukkah and that kind of they're having the celebration and. You know, so actually the fact that Oliver makes this phone call at this time, I think it's significant and I just don't know what the significance is. I'm going to have to look is. it up. All right, well, look Jewish it up. History. Hanukkah is a Jewish holiday commemorating the rededication of the Holy Temple, the second temple in Jerusalem at the time of the Maccabean Revolt. Festival of Lights, Feast of Dedication. Significance. The Maccabees successfully rebelled against Antiochus IV. According to the Talmud, the temple was purified and the wicks of the menorah miraculously burned for eight days, even though there was only enough sacred oil for one day's lighting. Right. The the Jewishness of the characters in the film is something that is highlighted over and over and over again, right? So they're the only Jews in this town. The mother says that they're discreet Jews. That's why he removes his Star of David hmm. necklace. He puts it back on when he falls in love, right? And kind of then the last scene where... You know, he's told that the love of his life so far is marrying a woman. Is said during the time of Hanukkah. That has to be significant. Well, this is the thing. It's kind of it's it's kind of a minor holiday, really, but it's been made more significant. I think because of its proximity to Christmas, right, and the kind of wish to uh, be able to celebrate an alternative around that period, right. Um, Hanukkah tends to be a bit earlier. Apparently, there's a kind of military. I mean, this was never in it when I was a kid, or something that was really taught to us when I was a kid. Apparently, there's a there's a kind of militaristic theme to it, which mm. is generally downplayed. But it's, but it's about the kind of military mm. uh, victory of some description, or sort of. So it's a celebration of like survival or resistance, or yeah, you know. Um, major Jewish holidays are those when all forms of work are forbidden and that feature traditional holiday meals. Blah blah. blah. Only biblical holidays fit these criteria, and Hanukkah was instituted some two centuries after the Hebrew Bible was completed. Nevertheless, though Hanukkah is of rabbinic origin, it was traditionally celebrated in a major and very public way. Again, but what uh, what does it celebrate? Uh, it can't uh, just I, be that eight candles remain the lit. I think that is more or less it. I mean, you'd be surprised what Jews can make out of nothing. So like, then, I mean, if it was expected to burn after three days and it lasted eight years... Then isn't eight that days, like eight right? days? Yeah. Sorry, isn't that a symbol of survival and continuance? Yeah, and, and God's kind of providing for you and, yeah. and being so, there. So, so I think that's, it is, that's generally like a, a kind of major theme of just being Jewish in the world is that people have constantly tried to take you down, and God's on your side. Right. And I think this is a small version of that, really. Okay. Uh, so, and it, but it, and it's also a, a kind of way of 
being able to just kind of publicly uh, show your Judaism, I guess, like your yeah. Jewishness. Like, um, there isn't a huge amount that Jews do in that respect, but but kind of the, the once a year having you having your menorah, you often put it by the window, mm. um, that sort of thing. I think is maybe that's got something to do with it. Okay, so 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 it's kind of like a bringing together of you know the but honestly i mean you're asking you're asking me which is like most users like me i think which is that they're just really not very jewish no but, uh, but i think well anyway i just wanted to find the connection because it seems to me that there is one and i just don't get it because you know uh but i think you've explained enough so that i, I you know i can i i have at least a theory about it you know what's your theory well my theory is that you know if hanukkah is a celebration of survival and resistance and continuance, you know, then um, that's what you get in the context of uh, uh, Elio crying over a lost love. Yeah, that kind of, you know, things go on and it will continue. And yeah, kind of, mm. it's not the end of the world, even though it hurts very much, you know. Seems weak. <laughs> 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 yeah, you don't have a romantic bone in your body well, for, this is the pro- for this such a schmaltz. This is always the thing, as <laughs> I've said before, with, with things like this. Like this is a film which has really moved people, um, and uh, it, it made me angry. Whereas you know, the Toy Story three, I cry at the end. Terminator Coco. two, I cry then. Coco, I cried my eyes out, and I would have more if you hadn't been there ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, uh, I, so how is it that I can identify with cartoons, cartoon and not skeletons, people. and not human people who, you know? I think what it's really saying is actually quite simple. It's that um, it, this is a, it's a summer love uh, that the two of them have have been through, and it was it was a you know, kind of a brief, passionate thing, and that's the kind of one day, and and what that that's that that crying and that long, long take of of that morning is is the eight days, you know, the kind of the love is going to live on for a lot longer than the brief passion. I think that's definitely there. Yeah. You know, but I just wonder if there's not all other kinds of tragedies built in. I mean, I had yeah. this discussion with a friend, you know, who, where I was saying, oh, you know, in Porelio and like, you know, in two years, AIDS will really hit and what ha- will happen to him afterwards. And my friend was saying, oh, that's none of that is in the film. You're <laughs> just kind of bringing your own experience to bear. Yeah. The film is crap. <laughs> He's saying, no, you know, I think the film has all of this. Uh, so, you know, kind of, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what is in the film and kind of what is just resonating uh, with me. There certainly seems to be a kind of broad parallel between... Um, the kind of Jewish experience and gay experience in the very broadest sense of oh. being kind of an outsider and being yes. and, and 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 a kind of small group that is uh, to you know to some degree marginalised and um, and needing to form kind of tight bonds mm. and that sort of thing. Yeah. In the very broadest sense, um, and and that's not just from the end of the film. I mean, they are they are Jewish the whole way through, and they are gay or kind of exploring their sexuality all the way mm-hmm. through as well. Um, it's funny. Um, it, it's funny that you mentioned your friend saying that um, yeah, it's crap because AIDS isn't in it and yes. <laughs> or, or what's going to happen in two years' time when AIDS hits. Because I think it, um, one of the things that is so beautiful about the film is um, that it is a fantasy. You know, One of the things that I didn't like about it that I said was kind of that everyone was having such a good time and they were just enjoying themselves so much and why wasn't there any tragedy in their lives? But of course you think, well actually, 
there was enough tragedy. <laughs> Fuck well, you. <laughs> well, it, it, every, every, every time, kind of, in gay cinema, AIDS is kind of unavoidable. It's always there, and it's kind of structuring in so many uh, gay films, films about gay experience. And so to have one which deliberately avoids it and says, we're going to posit a really beautiful gay existence that doesn't have anything to do that and is ex- about an exploration of love and self-discovery that doesn't need to involve AIDS, we're setting quite deliberately before that. Mm. You know, and offers that that speech at the end mm. where the father is so uh, open and progressive. Yeah, so this kind of, you know, a utopian exactly. view. Exactly. That know. is beautiful. Yeah, I and, think so too. And, and why shouldn't there be one uh, film that is able to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> able I agree. To offer that. I agree. Uh, and it's been the source of many kind of discussions and fights, really. Yeah. You know. Um, Timothy Chalamet is... Unbelievably good in this. Yes. And I believed in his character throughout, even when he was doing stupid things yes. or things that I didn't quite like actions that I didn't really believe in. I believed in him. Yes. Uh, and kind of what he was feeling. Mm. I didn't fully believe Army Hammer's character. I agree. And it's a major fault in the film, actually, looking back on it again. I actually. He, he seems to be. He comes across as a symbol for Elio to respond to as opposed to someone who's actually having a relationship with him mm. I think yes it's I not, think you're it's right. not even handed I think you're right and actually the visuals of the film bothered me so you know I think kind of uh, um, Guadagnino is so great at capturing Chamolet's every mood you know uh, uh, I love the way that you see his eyes and the, and the shifts in his eyes uh, but actually, every time he goes onto the bloody scenery or whatever, it seems either obvious or, you know, that uh, that he's underlining too much or just kind of... So, for example, there's all these shifts in focus. Yeah, there's two characters in a frame and, you know, there's a shift in focus from one to the other. And it just kind of seems slack, Right. Um, unimaginative slack and badly timed. <laughs> so, so, so I think, I think there there are element there are visual elements in the film, and kind of things that have to do with camera movement and so on, that are not as precise and textured as I would have liked, and and you notice them more on second viewing. Yeah, I think that. Um it's not to decry it for a lack of originality because it's fine for something not to be that original and, and just be a good example of something that is, but I think this film is both unoriginal in that aspect and also not really that meaningful. It, it feels kind of it feels like I have seen things like this before. Oh, well, I, you see, to me it feels that I haven't, really. And uh, Well, the way it shoots nature and the way it Oh, no, the way it shoots nature, that, that, yes, I mean, that's yeah. banal, yeah. Um, um, not some of the other stuff, but I think it's... I, I think it... Um, it relies on the performances of its actors uh, more than it does the, the way it captures them, the way it shoots them. I think you're right. Uh, Which is not, again, that's not like a huge problem, but it just means there's not a huge feeling of uh, you know, kind of originality or um, expressiveness in the way that it's shot. But, but yeah, that's no real problem, really. I just think the, it's, it's easy to it's easy to kind of praise it, overpraise it. When it's like, but look at the way that he shot nature. Oh, it's amazing! It's like, well, actually, if you're honest, it's not. Right? Mm, it's no, it's true. But anyway, it moved me just as much. I was kind of, you know, I I was just as moved the second time around as I was the first, uh, and that to me is is to the film's credit. Yeah. Well, well that's good of it. <laughs> yeah. You can't say. say how much I've irritated you one more time. <laughs> 
but it's, but it's I, I just I promise you, it's absolutely my own fault. Uh, it's my own fault for being a crap kid uh, and not. And, well, no. Well, that's actually it's slightly it's slightly my parents' fault because I went to a boys' school and that has something to do with it. I don't uh, see that because you're not the only one who's responded in that way. So there are obviously areas of this film that are deeply irritating to some people, and that in itself I find interesting. I'd say the closest I ever got to this was when I was 10, 11 years old, and we were on holiday in one of the Balearics, as usual, with my folks, and um, and I made friends with this guy um, who was uh, about my age, and uh, I, can't, I can't remember anything about him except that he wore a red t-shirt quite a lot, and we were hanging out, and we were chatting, and we made friends, and then we kind of became pen pals, mm. and we, we got each other's addresses, and we were writing to each other, and then a couple of months down the line, um, he wrote to me and said, I've got to be honest with you, I'm a girl. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, how observant of you. She was Welsh, and uh, so her name was something that I, I didn't know was male or female. Right. Um, and and she was kind of a, a sort of... Tomboy. Tomboy. She was like a tomboy. Um, so so I didn't really know. And, and <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And you couldn't tell well, the no, I, I, didn't, I didn't have any idea. We uh-huh. were like 10 years old. I mean, well, the yeah. differences weren't that obvious at that age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Okay. And this, and this film just reminded me. I hadn't thought about that in 15 years. Well, there you go. Let's see. Yeah, but it's not a happy memory. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's end it here. <laughs> ruined my own life, didn't I? <laughs> <sighs> I'm going to open the window again. It's too hot. I'm going to open the window and turn down the heat. I'm sort of surprised to hear there's a backlash, really. But people, people, will, people will be contrary about anything, won't they? I, uh, it's almost like the expected thing, you know. And, and actually, I do think it's just because it's middle class people, upper middle class people, you know, who speak all these languages and are interested in culture. And really, that bothers so many people. Yeah. I myself don't get it. Yeah. It's it's so interesting that it's all these middle class people who actually, you know, went to really good schools and were given piano lessons who this yeah. film bothers more. Whereas, you know, I'm a peasant. Eavesdropping at the movies is on Twitter, at Eavesdrop Movies, Facebook, you can iTunes. Find us yeah, iTunes importantly. Leave us leave us a review. Because then uh and well, unless it's a bad review, I suppose. <laughs> uh, and uh, all the rest. Okay. Turn Cheerio. <laughs>